Viv, and you're listening to the What Gives Podcast. We are back with another episode of What Gives. Today, I'm really honored to be talking to New Virginia Majority, a civic engagement organization in Virginia. And, you know, we're halfway through 2023. I've been thinking about 2024, the election year, so I've definitely been itching to talk more about civic engagement or civic responsibilities and the like, not only for the 2024 upcoming elections, but even locally. So I am super excited to welcome Tram Wynn, co-founder and co-executive of the New Virginia Majority to the pod. Welcome, Tram. How's it going in Virginia? Hey, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be in conversation with you. Things in Virginia are going. I, I love that you mentioned not just 2024, but also what's happening you know, locally now. I want the world to know that Virginia has very, very important elections this year. Um, I feel like every year we say it's the most important election of our lifetime, but I kind of mean it too. So because every year the conditions change. But yeah, Virginia has really, really critical elections in 2023 when our entire state legislature is up. Um, and the outcome of what happens in November um, matters for us as a state because it will determine whether or not Governor Yunkin will have a Republican trifecta and implement a MAGA agenda here, or if you know Democrats can control at least one, if not both, chambers of the state legislature to continue to try to make progress in Virginia and you know and and see what we can get done. And it's important for the country, not, I mean, selfishly, I'm from Virginia and I want y'all to know about it, but it's important for the country because it is a harbinger for what is to come in 2024 in terms of, you know, how motivated voters are uh, to, to vote, what issues that are driving them to vote that they care about, um, it'll really show the enthusiasm around civic engagement, around elections and, if we win in Virginia, it could really provide the momentum for 2024. Um, so anyway, all that to say, yes, I love talking about elections and voter work and civic engagement. And yes, Virginia is really important. So we're going to dive into Virginia uh, a little bit into the episode, but I want to first start off by setting the stage and you know having you tell us about New Virginia Majority's mission. And then you co-founded it, right? So I would love if you can talk about that as well. Sure. So we were founded, New Virginia Majority was founded in 2007 on the coattails of the failure of comprehensive immigration reform. So if folks will remember, if you were part of that effort and part of that movement in 2006 and 2007, the immigrant rights community and our allies thought that we were going to win comprehensive immigration reform. We had bipartisan support in Congress There were so many marches across the country. You could see the groundswell of support. And we all thought the conditions were there to to get something done. And we didn't, right? And it didn't pass. And in, in sort of the wake of that, I think a lot of us started to try to figure out the why. Why, why did we, you know, not succeed? And I think part of that analysis was that you know, direct action and protests and base building and power building is critically important. And that is also not the only lever of power that we have. And that if we look at um, the voter participation and we, and we look at elections as also a lever of power, 
as a tool in our toolbox, then we could be doing a lot more to get immigrants and new Americans registered to vote and to vote to wield our power at the ballot box. So sort of with that analysis in mind is how we started New Virginia Majority as a civic engagement organization to try to tap into the emerging demographics and the changing demographics in Virginia um, and to actually exercise beyond our our base power, but also our electoral power. And um, for me, for me, it's it's important and near and dear in terms of embracing that theory of change, especially with immigrants and new Americans, is because I'm an immigrant myself. I I came to this country in 1981 as a part of the second wave of boat people, and we we settled in Virginia. And growing up in Virginia in the 80s was very different than growing up in Virginia today, right? I remember my classmates debating in front of me whether I was black or whether I was white. Um, you know, so many instances of my, like racism and microaggression. And you fast forward to today, 40 years later, and there's so much more diversity in, in Virginia. There isn't a question of, are you black or are you white? Because they know, right? There are, we have black and brown folks. We've got API folks, we have South Asian. You know, we're, we're such a colorful community um, in Virginia. Um, so that, that's why like tapping into this, this new American majority, this new Virginia majority is, is to me uh, just a, a wonderful uh, opportunity, right? To build power for our communities. So in high school, I was recruited to work at APIA Vote to register people to vote and also translate documents, pamphlets, um, election materials into different languages so that people who are citizens and people who are in the community that don't actually, English is not their first language, they can vote and they're educated about their vote. So I think it opened my eyes to what the electoral processes, like how unfair it is and how some communities don't have a lot of access and their voices are not being represented in in votes and in elections. So I love that you brought that up. And I definitely want to dive deeper into, you know, what y'all have been able to do in Virginia. Um, but before that, I do want to take a second to center the listeners and prime them for what's to come in this conversation. Like what is the takeaway and call to action that they should be thinking about as they listen to our conversation? So I, I think the big takeaway is that elections do have consequences, right? And our democracy is on the line right now. We've seen what the last couple of years have brought to this country in terms of turmoil. Whether or not we live up to the promises of America and whether or not we uphold our values around democracy and representation, I think is all on the line. And so whether or not you believe in our elected officials and politicians or the system and whether it's broken or not, I get all of that and I am with you. And also, please understand that elections do have consequences and it's not the only tool, right? It's not the only tool in our toolbox, but it is a very important one and we do all need to engage um, and we all need to understand what's at stake. Awesome. So I know NVM has many priorities, but the broad overall mission is civic engagement with the goal of expanding the electorate, which 
will then trickle down to many of the priorities, right? How do y'all work to increase civic participation and the voters? And what are the direct impacts that you've seen from expanding the electorate? Yes, our approach is to have, um, our approach is to engage with voters directly, right? We believe in face-to-face interactions, one-on-one conversations with people to meet them where they are and to understand, right, what is important to them, what matters. So when we go knock on a door, we're not just saying, hey, you know, there's an important election coming up and we really need you to vote. And and here's why, right? We're not, we're not necessarily telling them that they have to do something, but we we approach it as, hi, my name's Tram, I'm with New Virginia Majority, and you know, there is an important election coming up, but before we get there, what issues are important to you, right? And we're trying to actually understand a little bit more about what people care about, right? So that we can also understand after the elections what we need to be working on because the elections are never our finish line, right? Um, so so that's, that's our approach is like to really have these, these personal conversations with folks and to connect them to what's at stake at the elections and then to go back to them and say, hey, we talked about education, we talked about gun safety, we talked about healthcare, housing. Um, there's an important election coming up and the stakes are high and here's an opportunity for you to vote for somebody who is going to champion those issues that we talked about before. Um, I'd love if you can go into the NBM initiatives that tie to this, the ones that you talk to the voters or the community about. So the breadth of the, the issues that we work on uh, is a blessing in some ways because it allows us to really get at the intersections, right, of racial justice, social justice, economic justice, environmental justice, because we all, as human beings, we live at the intersection of all of these. And especially as people of color, and communities of color, we live at the intersection of all of these. Um, but at the end of the day, our, what we work on, what we prioritize comes from our base, comes from our community members. So again, if, we're, if they are saying that you know, housing is, is the most critical thing that they are facing, affordable housing, safe housing, that is on our agenda. And so that's how we build it out. It's not a top-down approach. It's very much rooted in the grassroots communities that we organize in. Um, so that we are true to them, right? Because what good is it to try to pass a policy related to criminal justice reform if it doesn't have the impact on the very communities that you know are it, it touches, right? And so we have to hear from these communities first. Um, so, so all that to say, broad agenda, we do everything from reforming the criminal legal system to tackling environmental justice through the lens of frontline communities who are facing uh, environmental and climate change on a day-to-day basis. We talk about economic justice, things like raising the minimum wage, paid family, medical leave, healthcare access, education. So it's, it's across the board, so many things that we work on. That's a lot. And I know, you know, after these conversations, y'all do put together like a 10 year vision or policy agenda. And I would love if you can tell us a little bit more about that and what's on what's on the agenda. We have to I love that you asked that because we actually have to update that agenda. Um, When we put out that agenda in 2020, we thought that it would take 10 years to accomplish a lot of it. And some of it we still have we have a ways to go. 
But I honestly, in, in 2020 and 2021, we, we, we achieved a lot of what was on that agenda because we engaged our communities. They turned out to vote. We had so many more allies elected into our state legislature that a lot of our priorities were passed in 2020 and 2021. I think combined in those two years, we had over 200 bills, pieces of legislation that we worked on and we supported that were signed into law. Um, so it's 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 amazing. So all that said, we have to we have to update it and think about like what the the next um, 10 years needs to look like, especially given the current political conditions. But yeah, and again, those all of everything that is on that 10 year agenda came from our communities, came from our our membership. And I think I think that is the most important thing that we can do is to lay out a vision and put out policy priorities that are rooted in our communities that will actually have an impact on our community members lives. If we don't do that, then what what is the point of passing a policy that is just to say we we won? How do you have these conversations and then how do you go about putting together this agenda? Yeah, so our, so our approach, how we come up with the agenda is really rooted in our community members. So our organizers who are out on the streets, out in the neighborhoods, talking to community members every day and learning from them, that's a piece of coming up with this agenda. It's talking to coalition partners and allies and understanding what is important to um, communities that we aren't engaged directly in, but are intersect with ours, right? To, to, to really understand, um, you know, what are priorities that we need to be pushing. So we, we do all of that, coalition building, grassroots organizing and base building. And then we actually come together a couple of times a year to make sure that we're on, we're on the right track. So whether that's, um, on MLK Day, we do a day of action where we bring in, you know, four or 500 people to Richmond to have an advocacy day. And they are, you know, from all walks of life who work on different pieces of our agenda, right? And they come together and they get to cross-pollinate with each other and, and build unity. We have a People's Congress every year, which is sort of our, um, our marquee sort of membership event where we also bring in hundreds of folks from around the state. And that's actually when they get to dig in and build relationships with each other. And they get to actually talk about the issues that they're working on with each other and they learn with each other. And so it's, I can't tell you how beautiful it is to be in a space where we have folks who have been working for years on um, tackling mass incarceration, right? And that is like their bread and butter and that has been their main focus. And then they're sitting across the table from a Spanish speaking immigrant who has been working on healthcare access for undocumented kids. And for them to talk to each other and understand and hear personal stories and understand how that issue impacts their lives, right? And then, and then to have, you know, five months later when there's a committee hearing, them speaking up on, on behalf of each other, right? It just shows a different type of solidarity. Um, so we, we create spaces like that. Our People's Congress gives us an opportunity to make sure that the agenda that we have put together is 
is something that the community wants and can sign on to. And then we do a legislative summit where, you know, we bring in our leaders and we say, here's our agenda. Like, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's do some advocacy training. Let's do storytelling and let's, let's come up with a plan to, to win this. Um, so it's all year round work all the time um, and constantly getting feedback and information from our community. That's amazing. And I, I, what really sticks out to me is it kind of models after our legislative process a little bit, but this time it's like the people instead of just the elected officials. I feel like this is also like a very educational process and how things work. So I think that's amazing. And like, how do you even get involved in that? So when we first started the organization, it was really much oriented towards let's get folks to understand what's at stake, that elections have consequences and they that we need to turn out of the ballot box. So that is one way we wield power. And then it quickly became, well, for what? To what end? Right? Like we, we can show up and we can win elections, but how do we hold the people that are being elected accountable and make sure that they know that they work for us? And so then it sort of evolved into, okay, well, what are we fighting for? And how do we put that at the top of the agenda for our politicians and for elected officials? And what do we mean when we say we want more healthcare access? What does that actually mean? Does it mean expanding Medicaid? Does it mean providing a state funded program that you know covers all children regardless of where who they are, where they come from? Um, and so it just sort of was a natural evolution in terms of here's like, we can't like what are we building power for and what are we trying to achieve and and then just incorporating all of that into into our model really cool and i know having done this um for over a decade now right that y'all have had many many historic victories i was actually just looking at it on your website and that's at newvirginiamajority.org slash victories. And I just wanted to ask you, what are some of the key highlights that we can uplift today? Some of the highlights that you, you know, hold very dear to your, to your heart and your mission. So for me, that I personally hold dear uh, to my heart is when we passed the Voting Rights Act of Virginia in 2021. Um, I said earlier that I feel like our democracy is on fire it's it's certainly um, on life support as we think about all the threats to our democracy we see across the country efforts to you know shrink access to the ballot box by putting in place all kinds of voter suppression laws we are seeing our election workers who are on the front lines of our democracy just trying to you know make it work and administer elections are nonpartisan folks that are being attacked right? And, and their credibility and their integrity is put into question. We are seeing folks who are intimidating voters and trying to, you know, make, make it such an arduous and not unpleasant process. They don't even want to show up for fear of what they may face when they show up. So when we passed the Voting Rights Act of Virginia, it was at a time when you know, all of this was happening across the country. It was in the aftermath of the January 6th insurrection in the Capitol. And we became the first state in the South that used to be under the Federal Voting Rights Act preclearance provision to have our own state voting rights act that would require any election change in Virginia to go through its own sort of preclearance process. 
And at the time, it was the most, it not only was it the first state in the South to do that, but it was the most comprehensive Voting Rights Act in the country. And now in 2022 and 2023, a couple of years later, states are, you know, we've become sort of a model for other states and other states are passing their own Voting Rights Act. So that's something that I'm really proud of because, you know, no matter what issue you care about, if it's education, if it's healthcare, if it's gun safety, if it's anything, our ability to win on those issues really relies on our ability to wield power and to hold our politicians accountable, right? And they know it, which is why they they are trying to make it so hard for us to exercise that power at the ballot box. So, so voting rights is like my heart's work. I call it my heart work. Um, it's just so near and dear to me. And then, of course, you know, we've passed a, a number of things that um, that I'm very proud of: expanding Medicaid for 400,000 Virginians, getting drivers' privilege cards for undocumented immigrants that impacted hundreds of thousands of Virginians, raising the minimum wage. Um, you know, we've we've just done so much, and yet we still have a long way to go. And that's, you know, that's what I want to continue to fight for. Yeah, and I, I love uplifting these victories because it does show the impact of what expanding the electorate looks like, getting more people in the community to vote, and the ability and access to vote, what it could really look like. And I love that. I mean, I just wanted to celebrate that today. So where is Virginia now? Like, what's going on over there? Like, let's dive into it. I know you spoke a little bit about it uh, at the start of the pod. So Virginia has elections this year, 2023 elections, all 140 state legislative seats are on the ballot, 40 Senate seats, 100 House seats. And uh, it is going to basically be, the elections this year will basically determine whether or not the Republicans hold a trifecta in Virginia and if they do, they have and will have the power to implement a MAGA agenda, including everything that you've seen in Florida and Texas and across the South. I have no doubt that it will be done here if Republicans win. And if Democrats win at least one chamber, hopefully two, um, then they can be not only a brick wall to prevent some of those extreme measures from being implemented in Virginia, but they can also work together to pass really strong, meaningful legislation that will keep Virginia moving forward, especially for communities of color, for working class communities, for Virginia's families, and get it to the governor's desk. And, you know, I don't know what the governor, I mean, the governor, of course, can either sign or veto but at least we are demonstrating that that progress is possible and that, you know, we can continue to fight and we will eventually win all of these things. And that, so like that, that's what's at stake. And then there's lots of local elections, school board, it's prosecutor races. What excites me about these elections is that we have the most diverse slate of candidates in Virginia's history. More people of color are on the ballot, more Asian Americans, more women, more LGBTQ folks. I mean, this is talk about when we think about democracy and representation, that's that's what we have. Like that's that's the possibility this year, right? To have a true 
reflective state assembly that represents all of Virginia's people. Thank you for that live update from Virginia. So as the 2024 election is coming up, what are some of the things voters should know? I mean, as a voter myself, sometimes it there is like a million issues and a million, it seems like, officials that I have to vote on, that it's easier to do a straight ticket. And especially in local elections where their campaign materials might not even reach me. How, what are some things voters should know and how should we navigate this information overload? Yeah, it is. It, it really can be, especially when you have, you know, 10 candidates on the ballot and you have local referendums and you have all of these things and it's hard to keep track of, of it. And, and also, who has the time and bandwidth to do research on, on every single one of the things on the ballot, right? I, I totally get that. And so I would, say, I would say in response to that, that there are great tools out there that sort of aggregate things, um, aggregate what's on your ballot and gives, gives you information so that you can actually just go to a one-stop shop and, and take a look at that. Um, for example, Ballot Ready. .org, I think, is one of those resources where you can type in your address and it'll, it'll spit out what elections you have and what you're voting on. Um, there are other resources out there. But outside of that, too, I, I would try to find an organization that's local to you, um, that you trust, right, that you know your values aligned, um, and, and see if they've, they've actually done some research on their own, right? And they can provide you with information. That's something that we strive to do for our folks in our community is we provide them with information. Um, you know, when we endorse candidates, we, we've we done a little bit of the vetting for them, right? So when we have endorsed a particular candidate, they know that with that endorsement, we have vetted those candidates and uh, have identified that they are champions of our issues that we care about their values aligned and that they will work with our community to, to make that progress. And so every state has, you know, a power building organization. And I would, I would, you know, look into that and, and figure out, you know, what uh, organizations exist locally or in state for you that are values aligned and use them as a resource. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to talk a little bit more about where we can find NVM and if you can reiterate the call to action um, just one more time. Sure. Um, so you can find information about us on our website at newvirginiamajority.org. And for folks who live in Virginia, I encourage you to vote. I encourage you to volunteer and tell your friends and family and neighbors about what's at stake right now. Because it's, it's not just the November elections, but bigger picture. It is about whether or not we move forward as a country and as a democracy or whether we move backwards. And then for folks who don't live in Virginia, and if you, you can still volunteer, we have lots of virtual opportunities to volunteer. Um, you can donate to either us or any one of you know, the Virginia organizations that are, are trying to, to you know, do this work and, and protect our democracy. Um, and just spread the word, right, that, you know, there's a lot at stake all the time and we have to, we have to jump in where it makes sense. We don't have to do it all. And I say this to folks all the time. You don't have to do everything. We are in a marathon and a relay race and there are times when you're going to tap in and there are times that you're going to tap out. But we do need to do our part. Um and so that's my call to action is figure out what your part is, what your role is in all of this and, um, and embrace it. 
Awesome. And I always love to end the conversation with asking our guests for a piece of wisdom that may be related to this conversation or not. Um, and then in your own interpretation of the question, what has to give? So that's a good question. Um, I don't know. So my 10-year-old niece and I are besties. Like we FaceTime with each other every day, um, sometimes multiple times a day. And the conversations that I have with her show me that our young folks are really paying attention. They're really paying attention. And so we ought to embrace that and and do everything we can to, to give them the skills, the knowledge and the tools they need to continue to be that inquisitive, right? And, and, and feed that hunger um, because they're gonna lead us out of this. I know that this work is not gonna, like what we're trying to achieve is not gonna happen in my lifetime, but maybe in, you know, it'll happen in her generation or the generation after her, um, but, I would just so my word of wisdom is just to to embrace that and 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 just know that we are like as long as we are doing everything we can to feed you know future generations that we are making a difference even when it seems like the world is on fire and we're dealing with crisis after crisis it's okay because the future is bright yeah well tram this has been such a joy and pleasure to speak with you I'm just so grateful to know you and to have met you in the past year. And yeah, good luck to everything, Virginia. And thanks so much for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with your community. For more information, head over to our website at thewhatgivesproject.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode.